Ron Ananian. If you're going to do this job, do it right. That's what this is about. And if you're not going to do this job right, then get the hell out of my industry. You're stinking it up. The Car Doctor. What's probably going on here is you probably have impending coil failure. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, he. Here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Ronnie Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions, whatever they might be. Keep in mind, you're looking for more information about us or you want to find podcasts or news about this radio show, cardoctorshow.com. There's also a slew of links and other website information there over at tunein.com. You can get to it from cardoctorshow.com, iHeartRadio, iHeart.com has podcasts and subscription, iTunes.com, and um, just all sorts of information for us. Just Google us. We're out on the web. Find us on Facebook, Ron Ananian, the car doctor, Ananian, A-N-A-N-I-A-N, and uh, we'll be glad to help you with your car problem in any way, shape, or form. Um, just a quick reminder, Car Doctor t-shirts should be up on the website, I think, within the next two weeks. We've uh, had some conversations with them about you out on Facebook, so for those of you that are looking for them, we'll get some pictures up real quick. We're trying to... Uh, coerce harry into modeling one of them for us as our executive producer but um, we haven't had a wide angle lens big enough yet but we're working on it and um, we'll get some information up for you about that and um, keep in mind too we're here for you to help solve your car problem whatever that might be ron at cardoctorshow.com if you're looking for me during the course of the week i'll try and answer each and every one of my emails i do each and every week folks i really do so if you've got a problem or a question need information ron at cardoctorshow.com I think about technology. I have to. I'm forced to. It's, it's, it's the business I'm in. I was reading a recent issue of AC Delco News, and it's titled, Looking Ahead, Forward Collision Alert Operation and Settings. The FCA system, Forward Collision Alert, is available on many late model GM vehicles ranging from Cadillac to Chevrolet, and is designed to help drivers avoid or reduce the harm caused by front-end crashes. When approaching a vehicle... Ahead, much too quickly, the FCA system warns driver with a red flashing alert and rapid beeps. And I was thinking about this, and I said, hey, this is great. This is technology. Look at this. It's, it's going to tell us if we're driving poorly. But do we need it? I'm wondering if it's a dependency thing. And I just wanted to bring this up. You know, we spend way too much time on the phone, way too much time texting, way too much time looking at GPSs and we, we spend way too much time doing everything but driving. And I'm wondering if somehow technology is making us more dependent and taking away the critical thinking skills and reducing our skill level in terms of operating a vehicle safely. Are we going to become more complacent? Well, you know, the camera didn't warn me that there was a car in front of me slowing down, so I wasn't paying attention. I was busy texting on my phone. I had the car set on cruise, and the forward camera system didn't come on, and I just let the cruise run, and I was busy talking, or I looked behind me to see what the baby was doing, and I had the accident. I'm sorry. I don't know. I just wonder if technology is really all that it's cracked up to be, and from the guy that has to fix it every day, I wonder about it. But now I'm starting to wonder, 
you know, his big brother instilling himself within our our mists, so to speak. And um, I don't know. I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I want a camera telling me I'm driving badly. If I know I'm driving badly, then I know I'm driving badly, and I should really be responsible and, um, you know, <laughs> take responsibility for it and try to fix it. Just, Just some thoughts. So, you know, your views and your comments are always appreciated. Send them to me, email ron at cardoctorshow.com. By the way, this hour, we're going to be giving away an LMC truck gift card, a $25 gift certificate with either a hat or a t-shirt. It's a grab bag of sorts from the folks over at LMC truck. Check them out at lmctruck.com. So we'll be giving that away to one lucky caller today. And uh, we encourage you, if you are a truck user, get out to LMC truck. Dot com And um, they're looking for stories about your vehicles. These people are very passionate about trucks and, and SUVs and the like, and they want to hear your story and how it came to be, whether it's new or old. So uh, you can find more if you're trying to restore or just keep that newer vehicle going, lmctruck.com. The phones are lit up. They're backed up. Let's kick open the garage doors and welcome Chris from Bergenfield, New Jersey. Some comments and thoughts about alternator problems on a Volkswagen. Chris, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. How can I help? I- I called I called you about a year ago, okay. and I had the serpentine belt replaced on it. And this was a, this was way before that, and the car started squealing, and the mechanic said it was a tensioner, right? The tensioner was replaced; it still kept doing it. I took it to another mechanic; he replaced the tensioner; it still kept doing it. And I called you, and 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 he said he wasn't sure what it was, why it was squealing which I guess as a, if you're a good mechanic, you should be able to find that out. Sure. And you said it very well could be the alternator bearing in it. So I told him, just replace that. And he replaced it. Technically, the alternator's working, but um, it still kept doing it. I also replaced the power steering pump, even though the only problem, problem I was having was with the noise when I was trying to park. I wasn't having any stress steering right. or anything. Right. But I repl- but I replace it anyway for you know just to waste some money. Meanwhile, so, sometimes wasting that money makes you feel good though, because at least you know you tried. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it's a it's a diesel. Right. And there's a there's a mechanic by me who has a sign outside. They specialize in diesel. So I went over there. Of course, a timing belt is just about time. I have a, right around one hundred ninety thousand on it. Just curious on what it would cost if it, if it could be a little less than the dealer. And I said, can you uh, just figure out what's what's going on with the noise on this thing, too? And he said, it's the alternator. And he, he swapped it out. And if you look for the prices of alternators, they vary. And he was saying, don't buy the junk parts from some of these franchise stores. He says he will not buy parts from them. And I saw them going from like 150 to like $400. Well, he bought the expensive one. It is silent. Right. That was it all along. So it was a bad new alternator. Yeah, technically it works. Right. All but right? it was just but, noisy. Yeah, and right. he told me to take it back to the first mechanic and tell him that he should be able to get his money back for it. Well, yeah, and, you know, I, I say this to suppliers all the time. You know, they come in, they want me to buy the cheaper line, they want me to buy the less expensive part because, you know, they. I think their margins are higher because they're cheaper and there's they're they're more likely to sell more of those. Let's face it, more people are probably buying cheap parts today than they are buying expensive ones, and they're yeah, just trying to make absolutely. a number. Um, but you know, we're like I've been saying, I've been saying this for a while, Chris. We're in a parts race to the bottom, 
And, you know, it's all about how cheap can we make something, how much money can we make on it, how much money can we steal from the American public but not produce a product that works. And it's a dangerous line and it's a dangerous way of thinking. And you're just going to see more and more of it that it's a lot like our society. I really believe that. You know, you see the lines of the haves and the have-nots increasing. You're going to see the lines of good parts and bad parts increasing as it's going to become very decisive. If you want good parts, it's it's four times the amount. If you want to just get by with noisy, crummy parts that kind of work but maybe not last as long as they should, well, it's this. And it's 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 going to be a problem. It is. But there you go. New. Never, ever worked. Couldn't say it any better. Yep. So. Yeah, and and he and the one mechanic who bought that part, he was telling me that he has gotten bad water pumps. Right. He said the whole deal's a wash. He says he's got to do the whole thing over again. Well, and the part I don't get is, you know, one of the one of the biggest mistakes mechanics make is they don't value their time. So they'll attempt to sell their customer a cheaper job. Hey, I can be cheaper than the next guy. Because I don't want you to come in here based on my talent. I want you to come in here based on my price. And because of that, he buys the cheaper part. So the parts house think it's okay to sell the cheaper part. And they just perpetuate the problem. You know, in 1986, I'll take you guys back real quick for a history lesson. In 1986, General Motors came out with touch screen dashboards. Does anybody remember this? Buick Rivieras and Pontiacs and the like, they all had touchscreen dashboards, CRT screen dashboards. They were terrible. They were so bad because people were people were having accidents. They're driving along. They want to change the radio station or the temperature control. They'd look down. They'd hit the touchscreen, and they're, 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 they would be, it would be such distracted driving, they were losing people just dr- hitting cars or hitting trees. Literally, to the point that I remember when the model year came to an end, 1986, the leftovers in the dealer lots, it just looked like they had new cars to sell, but it was all the ones they were trying to return or they couldn't get rid of that they had to take off the line because the 87s were coming out. And my point is, if more people got together and said, enough, we're not buying any more junk parts, you would see a major change in the, in the, in the in a shift in the way that we approach auto repair in this country and the way people would think. And, um, you know, I still have hope for humanity, Chris. I really do. I think if you show them the right way, I think people just go, it seems like they will just go tend to save $150 or something and get the cheaper part. Right. And get the cheaper part. And then it's a problem. And I just, I think if you show people the right way, you know, teach a man to fish and he'll, he'll feed himself forever. And, um, you know, it just, it just doesn't make any sense. Chris, I, I, well, you were right. You were right all along. Well, That's what you said it was. I, I'm, I'm glad. I, you know, and I don't say that. I don't. It, you know, I, it, it's nice to get confirmation, but I'm glad it worked out for you. And, um, you know, I just it was the only logical thought that went through my head at the time. And sometimes you just got to stick to your guns. Listen, how do you think I feel? I'll diagnose a problem in the shop and I'll buy a good part. And every once in a while, I get a bad new good part. It's got to be the part. And it'll, it'll tear me up for two days, and I'll prove it seven different ways. It's a bad new part that's top of the line, best there is. Finally, I break down, I order another one, and I was right. It was a bad new good part. doesn't happen that often. doesn't happen nearly 
with the with the you know commonality of of older parts, but the, or the cheaper parts, but it does happen. Chris, I got to go. The clock's going to take me. I appreciate the call, sir. Good luck to you and yours, and uh, we thank you for being a listener. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The Car Doctor's twenty four seven toll free number. That number is there for you if this radio show is not on the air. We're live Saturday afternoons across this great country of ours on the network. Saturday afternoons two to four p.m. Eastern time. If we're not on the air, if you're an affiliate that's taking it on a delayed broadcast and you want to be part of the conversation here on live radio, call eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero anytime. Leave a message. Our executive producer, Fast Harry, will call you back and get you in queue, and we can talk to you about your car problem and help uh, solve it for you as well as educate everybody else as we all like to learn from the calls. And um, I, I learn from you just as much as you learn from me. Trust me. Um, I wouldn't be doing this. Well, let's see. It's coming up on uh, 25 years this January, I think. Coming up January 2016 will be 25 years of Car Doctor Radio. So time just moves on. I never thought I'd see that day. So let's go forward. Let's get over and talk to David in Genesee, Idaho, with some questions about a 1999 GMC Suburban. David, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Well, thanks, Ron. Uh, real You're privilege welcome. to talk to you. And, oh, thank uh, you, sir. You've helped me solve a number of problems through the years just by listening to your show. But anyway, I have two three-quarter ton Suburbans, a 93 and a 99. The 93, the brakes have always been great. And on the 99, they've always been poor. I bought the 99 used, so I can't say what they were like new. But the 99 has a little different style ABS system on it than the 93. Right. And I've read a lot of negative things about that particular ABS system on the Internet. And, of course, you know, who knows how accurate that is. But I'm actually to the point where I'm thinking about bypassing the ABS unit and uh, installing a, an adjustable proportioning valve just so I have regular brakes. The brakes are just that bad on it. I, I can go out, and there's no no codes. I can go out in my pasture where I can hit the brakes hard, and you can hear the ABS working. The front wheels, you know, you can won't uh, won't slide. You can hear it working, but the back brakes just don't seem to ever do very much. And I wondered if that was just the nature of that particular ABS system, or if I replaced it with a new one, would it work okay, or, or what? It's always nice to try and design something the way you want, all right? I mean, let's start the conversation there. This is a big block truck, David? Yeah, 74. So, so it's nose-heavy. Um, full, full floating rear end. It has the 13-inch rear brake shoes, right. three and a half inches wide, yeah. massive brake shoes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a massive brake system. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what would happen. Is the ABS light on on the dashboard? No. Okay. So I wonder what would happen if we created a problem, like unplug the wheel speed sensor, turn it'll turn on the ABS light, and give you functional, normal brakes. I wonder. You know, I, I actually had read about that, and I did that. Oh, 
last summer, I guess it was, and it seemed like it was a little better, but it's still like a soft pedal feel. Right. And I've read that it's hard to get the air out of the ABS system if you get air in there. So I took it to my local uh, brake slash transmission shop, and they had the snap-on scan tool to activate the ABS. Right, because if the bubbles get if the bubbles get trapped in there, that's a problem. Yeah. Right, and that may have helped minimally, but it's still. You know, the the 93 Suburban, the brake pedal's firm. I mean, you hit it, and you've got brakes. And this, I've actually, in a couple times when I was trying to stop quick, pushed the pedal clear to the floor. Is is the 99 a hydroboost system, David? Is it? Yeah, they both are. They both are. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm kind of tempted to try and diagnose the 99 before I make changes to it. I mean... Right. I'm, I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can bypass the brakes and make it conventional. And I, I would just hate to see you do that and then end up with, you know, the same crummy brake pedal, so to right, speak. Right. So, you know, what I want to know is, do we have a do we have an issue with the master or is the problem in the ABS controller itself? Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, yeah, then, you know, at 220,000 miles, maybe you do come out with a way to bypass it. So what I'll actually do is I will, at times, I will I will make up plugs, and I've got an assortment of brake line plugs, different sizes, different fittings, where I've, I've, I've peened over and, and, and sweated the ends shut, or I'll, mm-hmm. I'll find brass plugs that fit the master, and I'll just right. block off the master and step on the brake pedal. Oh, got you. Right. Okay? It's got to be right there. <laughs> if it's not right there, I've got a bad master. Right. Now, I did change the master cylinder okay. uh, at one point right. with no obvious change. And, of course, uh, I know new parts sometimes aren't right. any good either. But, right. uh, but that's a good – I hadn't tried that, and that's something I will try. And, and I don't mind spending the money to replace the ABS system if somebody could tell me, yeah, when you're done, you're going to have really good brakes. Right. I just haven't talked to anybody who – has been able to give me any confidence that that would happen. Right. And then the other question I've got is, if you apply the parking brake and pump the pedal a couple of times, does that change it? If I crimp off the brake hose to the rear brakes, does that change it? Where does the mush, for lack of a better way to put it, occur? And, you know, that's really what you've got to start to diagnose. David, the clock's going to take me, but you know what? I want to try and help you if I can. We're going to be sending the LMC truck prize your way, a $25 gift card with either a hat or a T-shirt. So stay on the line. Harry's going to get your information, and maybe you'll find something in their product line that might actually help you with this brake problem or something else that interests you. But by all means, get out to lmctruck.com. They've uh, they've got the stuff to help guys like you with your trucks. And um, if you need me during the week, send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Amy and the Car Doctor here at your service to help you solve your automobile's problem, questions, comments, and all points forward. We uh, like to talk to you guys and see what's going on. So I'm here today, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. That number is 24-7. This radio show is live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. You can call that 855-560-9900 and leave a message. And our executive producer, Fast Harry, will call you back and get you in queue and invite you to be up here on the live 
show. Uh, if you're on an affiliate that takes it on a delayed broadcast, I'll invite you up here to be on a live show, and uh, we can help talk to you about your car problem and educate everybody and, in general, have a good time talking about cars because that's what the car doctor is all about. Let's get over and talk to Roger, speaking of talking in Bangor, Maine, 2004 Jeep Wrangler with some questions and problems. Roger, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Uh, yes, sir. Um, I bought this Wrangler like three months ago, so it's a fairly new vehicle to me. And uh, within about a couple of weeks after I bought it, I started uh, getting some hesitation in the driving. And uh, the it started to go to the point where it wouldn't shift very well. And it would do this for a short period of time and then come back to normal. And when it came back to normal, the brake, the engine light would come on, and then the engine light would stay on for a little while, and then it would go back out. Uh, I called the dealer, took it back to the dealer. And uh, he looked at it and couldn't find anything wrong with it. And he ultimately told me he changed out a couple of wires going to a module. And uh, he didn't tell me which one, but he didn't charge me anything. So I didn't really ask. And I drove it home. Uh, drove fine for a while, another week or so, and then uh, did it again. So I called the dealer up and made an appointment for the week after that. And when I was getting ready to go to that next appointment, I realized that uh, it was doing it every time I refueled it and filled it up with gas. So when I got there, I told the dealer that, and he took it in and looked at it again. Still couldn't find anything wrong with it, so he went and filled it up with gas and drove it around a bit. Uh, he didn't have any issues, so he's like, well, take it home. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, I said, well, I'm going to stick around the area for a little while longer and just drive around and see if it happens. And it did within five minutes after I left. So I went back to him again, and uh, after about a couple of minutes, he came back out and said, my mechanic thinks it's the uh, transmission control module. Okay. And... And uh, I said, okay. Uh, and I said, well, why does it do it when I'm gassing up, when I fill it up with gas? And he looked at me and he said, I don't know. But he said, well, we can fix it, change it out for you, but it's not under warranty, so you have to pay for it. And I said, well, let's just hold off on that a little bit. Because um, it didn't make sense to me that it would only do it if it's a transmission issue. It would only do it when it's full of gas. And my own logical thinking was that if, if it's doing it when I fill it up with gas, it's something to do with fuel or the gas tank. Uh, yeah, and, so, I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking a gallon of gas is seven and a half pounds. I'm thinking it has something to do with the weight. I think we're, oh, okay. I, I think we're displacing something, moving something, uh, you know. But yeah, if, if it's consistently that it is, you know, it's only there with a full tank or or, or, or putting more than three quarters of a tank of f- fuel in it creates the problem. You know, we've got to start to think in terms of: Is there a wiring harness nearby? Is there something on top of the tank that makes the tank bulge? Is there, you know, it, it, what is it about that? You're absolutely right. right. You, you would have been a good diagnostician, um, Roger, in that in that sense. That um, you know, you, you've got to look for cause and effect, and you know, understanding how something works generally leads you to fixing it. So, my attack plan, if I was looking at this now, the trans control module on this. Um, has power on pins 11 and 56 and grounds and ground on pins 53 and 57. And I'd want to make sure I've got ground where I'm supposed to have ground and power where I'm supposed to have power. And, you know, something's putting this trans control module into fault mode. Something's putting it or making it go to sleep. And those are the things that I would want to see. Um, Okay. You know, I would also take a look at pin 8. I believe it's pin 8, and just make sure there's no voltage on pin 8. There has to be less than 100 millivolts. And if all that checks out, and yet this trans control module doesn't communicate, and I'd love to have a scan tool on it and just dial up the trans module. Um, oh. You know, think of it like this. You dial a phone, right? 
mm-hmm. and, and it rings on the other end and somebody answers. Well, you know, when you plug in a scan tool and you start to look at all the modules on the vehicle, you're just dialing a phone. Right. You're just, you know, you're ringing the engine controller, the trans controller, the body controller, and so on. If you dial the trans controller and it's got power and ground and its other inputs are correct and it doesn't answer, it's, mm-hmm. ba- it's a bad phone. So, you know, we can prove it. I mean, there's there's ways to go about this. I am just suspicious from the sounds of this, something here strikes me like you're going to find something in wiring. I, I don't know that this is is um is going to be a module, but this will verify it. I would just okay. be I would just be mindful any add-on accessories, any fact or any aftermarket alarms or aftermarket stereo or anything like that. Uh, no, the stereo is all factory. The only aftermarket stuff that I put in is the speakers themselves. Okay. Uh, and did you have a problem prior to the speaker installation or ever since? Uh, yeah, it was prior to the speaker installation. Okay. okay. And even if it was ever since, I would still, but just, you know, it's always good to try and, I always try and think outside the box when I've got one dog in me like this. You know, right. I, I try to look at it on, if I don't fix it, what's the next guy going to look at? And that usually gets me to fix it. Um, and, you know, if I try this and that didn't work, what would be the next thing I'd go look at? And it's But you've got some basic testing here. They've got some basic testing here. It, it doesn't sound like they gave it a long enough diagnosis. You know, it's, it's – when did it happen? About a week ago. We had a car – a Jeep. We had a Jeep towed into the shop a week ago, a week and a half ago. And right. the, the girl was from Kansas. I think I talked about this last week. And the tow truck driver came in and he said – it sounds like a fuel pump. And I looked at him and I said, yeah? What does a bad fuel pump sound like? Like, I didn't know a fuel pump, if it was bad, could make any noise. And, <laughs> you know, he was basing that on, he would cr- he, he, he cranked the engine and it didn't start. Well, let me tell you something. If you crank an engine and it doesn't start, it could be spark, could be fuel, could be a, a slew of things. In the case of that Jeep, it was a bad PCM, not providing ground to the coil not creating spark. So, you know, the service manager coming out and saying my technician thinks it's a trans control module. Yeah. yeah. Don't think let's diagnose it. That's what made me pause. And yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's let's, when I decided to go elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's diagnose it. Let's hook up a scan tool. Can we, can we call that module on the scan tool and talk to it? That's what we want to know. Great. All right. Okay. So you let me know what else I can do for you, Roger. You need me during the week, Ron, at cardoctorshow.com. Shoot me an email. Will do, sir. All right, Thank sir. You. Good luck to you. 855-560. Well, listen, it's 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 just basic. You know, I, I hate it sounds like, it feels like, I think it is. Listen, I'm not saying in every diagnosis I get down to the nitty-gritty and I'm down and, you know, I'll get you in the 85-90 percentile in some cases, and it's a gut call because guts still fix cars. And it still takes, yeah, I, you know, it just, it seems like we're going in this direction. I had a, um, I had a 98 Toyota Camry this week, four cylinder that had a lean fuel condition. You read the trouble chart for a P0171 and a lean fuel code on that car. And then you start reading from the relational databases that I subscribe to. And, you know, you take some time and do the research and each and every one of them says, there's no way to accurately test the air-fuel ratio sensor in this Toyota without, and they, you know, we, we get out scopes and equipment that could track manned spaceflight. You, you get to that point where you're in the 85 percentile, 
put an air fuel ratio sensor in the 15-year-old 160,000-mile car, and voila, the car is fixed. Yeah, there's times you make that call. But on a Jeep that's got, you know, mileage that's not really crazy here, and we think it's a trans-control module, nah. Let's do some power and ground testing, and let's see if that component wakes up when we talk to it. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anany in The Car Doctor, and I'm back right after this. The phone number is 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 hotline. You call that number anytime, day or night. If we're not live on the air, which is Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, Fast Harry, our executive producer, will respond to your call and put you in the queue and get you up here on air. We can talk about it on live radio across the network. Let's get over to line two, talk to Tom, Brookhaven, New York, 2004, Nissan Murano, and some questions that are going on here with exhaust. Tom, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm right. um, from Brookhaven. Yes, sir. I I got a, uh, a really nice Nissan Murano. I mean, I love to drive it. My daughters drive it. But since uh, at first it was just a like a muffler noise coming from the engine, and as the car got hot, it would simmer down. And then as the year went by, now when you start it, it sounds really bad from the outside. You hear like the, you know, the muffler sound. Sure. But it's not coming from the back or the center of the car. It's coming from the engine compartment. And, uh, you know, it's embarrassing. So (laughs) I feel it's a flange or a piece of a pipe that's corroded or something. Yeah, and is is this an all-wheel drive, Tom? Yes. Yeah. um, I haven't seen too many problems with the bolts themselves, but the manifolds do crack. And that becomes a challenge. So you want to take a look at that. One of the biggest areas and one of the biggest cautions I have when I'm doing dealing with Murano's is the front catalytic converter. I'm sorry, the rear cat where it bolts up to the rear manifold. I don't I don't know why they did this, but the studs that hold that cat up are titanium. Well, there isn't too much that can drill titanium successfully at the shop level. Right. And if you break one of those studs off trying to remove the cat to get the manifold off, oh, boy, is that a fun afternoon. So, you know, just, just you know, hopefully your mechanic is, is, is cautious enough that once he diagnoses this, if this really is a manifold leak um, or anything really, even if the flange gasket at the cat to the manifold is leaking, anything that requires that cat to be removed, just be just be cautious because those studs are titanium, and they take a little bit of work and some you know some good rust penetrant and let them soak and work and back and forth and just be patient, and they should come out because you know I have had them break once in a blue moon. And they are tough at that point. It's it becomes a, it becomes a real problem to deal with. Okay, so you're saying the exhaust system actually comes out of the engine exhaust and out of the engine manifolds, and then goes through a catalytic converter. Right. Well, yeah, you've got you've got manifold, catalytic converter, and then exhaust itself. Now the pipes themselves 
are pretty solid. The pipes are stainless on that vehicle from the factory. What usually leaks is the flange gaskets wherever the couplings come together. But the most common problematic area, number one, is exhaust manifolds crack. That's at the cylinder head itself. And if you think the leak is in the back, that's where, you know, that's probably the best guess. I would take a mechanic stethoscope and listen in when it's doing this. But if it's if it's behind that, and what I typically do in a case like this, I'll start the car up, put it up in the air, get underneath it running, and I'll listen with a mechanic stethoscope, you know, where at what point in the system is it the loudest. My My caution to you is if the catalytic converter has to come off, those studs are titanium, and they lock onto the nuts, or the nuts lock onto the studs tighter than than you know the banker trying to hang onto the mortgage that you don't want to pay. If you get my analogy, okay, um, it's tough. And okay. uh, that was a bad analogy. I'll have to work on that for next week. But um, <laughs> my, my my point is that it's just it just becomes difficult, and you just want to be cautious doing it on a colder engine with some penetrant and a little bit of patience. In some cases, a lot of patients will benefit you a great deal because titanium is not easily drilled or handled in the shop at the shop level, and you'll 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 right, you'll, so, you'll spend most uh, of the afternoon uh, dulling drill bits. I guess this is a job from Nissan, not just the, the regular mechanics, so they can diagnose it. Yep. But yeah. I can I can look for the leak myself because I have one of those stethoscopes. Yep. And then at least you and, know if what they're telling you is correct. Yeah. yeah. But I'll, I'll I'll make certain I understand if they do say I'll ask them for the procedure and see if they if they have to take those bolts out I just might let it go you know and just well, drive it the way it is well ask them ask them ask them what the odds are of getting those bolts out and what sort of problems do they have and uh, see what kind of answer you get they may say yeah we handle it all day long but they should come back and and say something with regard to they're either titanium or yeah they're tough to get to but our technicians are trained to handle it and. Uh, you know, kind of take it from there. So good luck to you, Tom, and um, happy motoring. I'm Ron Haney and the Car Doctor, back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the Indian, the car doctor. Um, uh, time for a little fun, by the way. Thanks for joining us this hour. We've been challenged. I didn't tell the boys this yet. I'm telling them now as uh, they're looking at me through the studio glass. We've been challenged, Bobby Likas, Bobby Likas Car Care Clinic, in support of the Fallen Patriots Foundation. Uh, Bobby has put a Facebook challenge up on his page. He's challenged us to a 10 push-up uh, challenge. We're going to take him up on that. Well, at least I am. So uh, sometime this week, I'll have Tom or Fast Harry videotape me doing my 10 push-ups and uh, up on our Facebook page, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. And uh, I'm going to say it here and now. I haven't done it in a while, but I still think I can do my bare knuckle push-ups. So I'm thinking I can still do 10 push-ups on my knuckles. We're going to find out. Yeah, we can laugh, but let's see what happens. Good, good, because we're, uh, we're planning on laughing. Right, so, Tony? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, we can. <laughs> I still think I can do this. I still think I can do my uh, 10 push-ups on my knuckles, and uh, I think I can do more than that, but we'll we'll, we'll go for 10. It's been a while. Um, so, but um, a very worthy cause. You can find more information at fallenpatriots.org. And um, we've made the connection courtesy of our relationship with the folks over at KNN, knfilters.com. Uh, KN Filters has gotten behind the Fallen Patriots. It's for a great cause for the children 
of fallen, uh, you know, soldiers, armed forces, and so forth. So as, um, as the father of a soldier, I can tell you that um, very worthwhile cause, something near and dear to my heart. So uh, we'll get that up there on Facebook this week. And uh, let's see, can the car doctor do 10 bare-knuckle push-ups? I don't know. I'm getting kind of old, but uh, I'm sure I'll find something to uh, inspire me to go up and down, up and down. Hey, till the next time, same bat time, same bat channel. I'm Ron Anany and the car doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. See ya.